everyone, and welcome to what feels like the only podcast that didn't punch John Klingberg in the face over the weekend. It's uh, time to do a little stargazing. We've got a big, big, full first line tonight with, with Taylor and Rob. How are you guys doing? I'm good. <laughs> I'm I mean, <also> good. <laughs> of all of the people to punch, apparently John Klingberg is really not a, a well-liked person in Calgary right now. You know, it's really funny. We were talking... Um, Rob and I were sitting next to each other at the game on Saturday in the press box, and we actually were talking about how, you know, John Klingberg doesn't have a punchable face. I don't know what he did to Matthew Kachuk to deserve <laughs> such vitriol, but, like, apparently it gives John Klingberg confidence. <laughs> I mean, this team needs a little bit of swagger, so maybe, you know, we're, we're also used to seeing Jamie Benn be the one that drops the hammer, I guess. John Klingberg is trying to fill in that role a little bit. And I kind of wonder if Calgary targeted him from game one, and they were like, "Well, he was—he's going to fold if we stay on him for you know the entire series." But he's definitely risen to the challenge, I should say, from Kachuk, and made it more about the Flames jumping him than him, you know, kind of folding to that kind of early pressure. Yeah, I think you're right, and it's, it makes sense as well if you're playing against the Dallas Stars and you're, you're thinking about how they transition from defense to offense. You really only have to worry about Klingberg and Miro, and so you might as well try and, and get a body on them as much as you can. Yeah, I definitely. <laughs> and since that. you're not, you're just not going to get close to Miro, you might as well might as well go for Klingberg, take yeah, the consolation and, prize. And we know that the offense, you know, flows so much through the Dallas defense core that it's a no-brainer for Calgary to go ahead and do that. But, yeah, you're, to your point, you know, you're not going to catch Miro along the wall, so go after the one you can catch. But at the end of the day, I think it's not really working out for them as planned. Well, and that's a good good segue into the the agenda for the podcast. If, if you're a, you know, from the Flames' perspective, not a lot is going to plan right now, right? Dallas got the, the away split, um, one game two in Calgary. Then they, they followed that up with a game three victory on the, the AAC ice. And, and heading into Monday's tilt, we're looking at a two-to-one Stars series lead. And, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to say that this, is, this series, you know, Dallas is rolling and it's easy and blah, blah, blah. But it's hard to look at the progression and really – think that two to one is unearned am i am i crazy i guess well taylor starting with you am i am i insane to think that this is a pretty reflective series right now yeah i mean i think i am a little surprised that this is the closest series in the first round of the playoffs to be honest um i i guess i was expecting minnesota and st louis to be be playing the two one three two type games but i mean it's it seems to be playing into dallas's strengths um, like the guys kind of keep saying, Tyler actually had a really funny quote, quote the other night. He said, it may not look interesting on Twitter, but this is the type of hockey that, you know, wins games and it's actually really fun and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I mean, you're not wrong. It's not a very pretty painting, but you like the outcome. Yeah, I guess, Rob, uh, same question to you. A pretty painting or not uh, what what's your take on do you feel that two to one is an accurate representation of how the series has gone so far yeah i would i i went through and graded uh each period in the series so far and i have the stars winning uh the majority of the periods uh outside of i believe the first two periods in game one um but i would say that the star structure has lent itself to a playoff style game and we all go back to this team is built for the playoffs and it 
is kind of showing through in these last two games. Um, I would say the Stars have played two complete hockey games, and it's kind of knocked Calgary out of their comfort zone and had them questioning how they're going to play in game four. Um, but overall, I I was talking with some media members last night, and I think we unanimously, unanimously agreed that the Stars have been the better team for the majority of the series so far. They've certainly gotten, you know, when we talked about the series at the start and we talked about what Dallas was going to need to succeed, right? They've been, for the most part, stout defensively. They've gotten A-plus goaltending out of Jake Ottinger, and they've gotten production out of, you know, they, they for the most part, right, that first line is driving the bus, Um but they've gotten a little bit of depth, right? Raddick Fox, I got the scoring kicked off um, last game. So they're they're sort of seeing some, you know, I guess when your series is only producing, a, a you know, I think five or six goals, right? Getting one or two outside of the top line counts as depth scoring, I guess. Yeah, yeah I, I mean... Was, go ahead, Taylor. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, like, so the Stars have been playing that all season long. So yep. they, their comfort with this, I mean, they've had it for a long, long time. This is the type of games they were winning from the from the start of training camp. So it's just hilarious because Calgary didn't have as many of these instances where they had to kind of really buckle down and, and find their timely goal scoring. They were able to kind of score at will. They were one of the top offenses in the league. And so I do kind of wonder, like, I mean, <laughs> you know, on the one hand, you're, you're glad to see them proving out that they are truly built for the playoffs and you, and you're, and you're happy that it seems to be working out. But at the same time, like a lot of fans are going to be unhappy because that means that they're going to continue with this whole thought process of like, all we can need to do is get in and then watch us go. Yeah. And, and I think it's also from a fan's perspective, it's kind of fair, like, you don't really like to see your team playing underdog hockey all the time. Like I, there is something visceral about, you know, would the Toronto series, you know, every now and then don't you cast a covetous glance over at what's going on there and think, God, it'd be nice to put up five once. That'd be, that'd be a fun change versus this, you know, kind of scratching and clawing that Dallas Stars seems to do when, when, all right, we're going to, we're going to do a stupid West trivia question. And, and if you've got the stats in front of you, um, bow out, do, do you currently have the Dallas Stars playoff scoring leader list in front of you? No, that's not the trivia question. All right. So who. I, I will give you number one and number three, right? So Joe Pavelski leads the Stars with three goals, three points in three games. Miro Haskinen is tied for second with two assists and two points through three games, according to NHLstats.com. Who is right in between Pavelski and Haskinen on the list? Michael Rothel. Good guess. Rob? I was going to go Michael Rothel as well. He is is one point back. I'm I'm of course referring to noted offensive defenseman Yanni Hockenpah is currently sitting, uh, I guess by virtue of alphabet, right? But he's got two assists as well, right alongside Miro, sits in second place in uh, total points for the Dallas Stars through three games. And that's a little shocking to me, but if you look at the way he plays and the situations that they've been in with. Fox is scoring last night and the depth scoring really coming through for them. I can't say it is shocking, but it is at the same time, if that makes sense. Yeah, I how, think it makes how sense. How funny is it to be talking about depth scoring coming through? <laughs> 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 
like the storyline of the season was they have no depth scoring and then they get to this playoff series and everybody's like Calgary's gonna handily take them don't worry about it they have nothing beyond their top line and then Dallas went what up (laughs) oh I mean if nobody scores then everything is depth scoring right they've got let's see Pavelski and Hens have four goals and then Fox and Roffel have one each and that's it so you know Two of the six goals are coming outside of the top line. That's that'll that'll get you there if you're the Dallas Stars. You know, kind of on the on the topic of of the ebb and flow of the series, one of the things that that was interesting to me, and the the big caveat here being sample size, right? It's three games and, and three games does crazy things to analytical data. There's only so much we can pay attention. But you know, kind of skimming skimming natural stat trick, right? One of the things that jumps out is a lot of the surface metrics, right? Your Fenwick's and your courses and your your shot charts and a bunch of stuff like that heavily skews towards the flames, right? Dallas is, I think it's it's 42%, 34%, and then 48% um Corsi through the first three games, right? So Calgary's having more. But one of the things that really interested me is when you start like getting into chances and, and dangerous opportunities and expected goals, the series actually levels out quite a bit. So it, it really does feel to me right now through three games like Dallas has found a way to, in some ways, concede more of the puck to Calgary, which is what we'd expect, right? Calgary is the stronger offense of the deeper offense. They should be having more of it. But whether through you know structure and system or voodoo or whatever, Dallas has managed to not allow Calgary to to convert that possession into really meaningful offense to the degree that you might expect, which I think is why we're, you know, I think the expected goals right now are sitting at 4.5 for the Flames and 4.1 for the Stars. So, you know, Flames are are technically ahead, but it's not it's not a route, right? Even even looking at PDO, right? It's it's like 99 to, to 1.09, right? Something like that. So nobody's really it, – it doesn't – it might not look pretty, but it also doesn't necessarily look like a fluke right now. No, no. and Dallas has said that all along this season, that they don't look at scoring chances the way that maybe the public's uh, available data does, that they look at – how they define quality chances, which I think is probably closer to the high danger chances. Essentially, Rick Bonus says, if you want to take the puck and you want to shoot at us from, you know, the blue line all day long, like we'll take that because the per- it's a low percentage play. And they've been really good at ensuring that nobody's getting into the middle part of the ice. And so when you do that, you know, yeah, it may look like the other team is, outplaying you but at the same time if every chance that you get on the other end is in that high danger area you're you're actually the better team yeah i mean and and i think it also fits the talent of this roster in that you don't have the bodies to chase down and to out chance the calgary flames or really much of anybody right you know you have you know you have one elite line and you know you can generate chances for that one elite line. So from there, it just turns into, okay, let's let's make sure that we don't do anything stupid the rest of the time and give, you know, Pavs and Sons or Miro a chance to to come through. And, and they've been doing it all year, and it, it kind of works. And I think last night's pretty indicative how the Stars want to play in this series. To Taylor's point with, you know, shooting from the blue line, a low percentage play, the Stars are doing a very good job of 
boxing out the front of the net and the yep. slot and not allowing Calgary to get those second chance opportunities on Ottinger or they're allowing Ottinger to see the puck the entire way. Um, so zone time, they'll give it to Calgary. And then the Stars are being very opportunistic on their counterattack. The best way I can summarize that is the Gaudreau breakaway late mm-hmm. last night. And you have Sagan and Miro go the other way and almost ice the game, you know, not 20 seconds later. So they're doing re- they're doing a few things really, really well, and they're hanging in there when they have to to keep it competitive and keep it close. Yeah, and, and Taylor and I were talking about this in the pre-call. It's, it's you give the Stars a little bit better luck on the power play, right? And they're up 2-1 to one in the series. There's a universe in which, after getting five power plays in game one, that this could be 3 nothing. And I'm not saying that it's likely, and I'm not saying the Stars deserved game one. That's that's not the point that I'm making. I'm just more speaking to what you guys are talking about and how they've they've managed to to they've managed to pull this series into that kind of mucky middle and give themselves like it they've they've had a chance in every single game. And sure, if you're the Flames, you can probably make the same statement, right? If if Gaudreau puts that that breakaway in, maybe it's different. You know, you can you can have the same argument on either side. But I think if you're the stars heading into the series, right, you would have absolutely taken, you know, okay, yeah, if, if you tell me after game three that that Dallas has been in every game, regardless of what the outcomes were, I I think I would have been okay with that. Yeah, I mean definitely from where I'm sitting, I I didn't believe Dallas would be up to one at this point in the series. I, I was, well, you thought it'd be three. Oh, obviously. Right. I was thinking it would be tough to scratch out one win in Calgary with the way that the flames came out in game one. And I, I thought going into game two, that Calgary would be able to kind of muster up the same kind of effort early and convert on those chances where they didn't in game one. And you have a different situation coming coming back to Dallas, but you know, to our points, Dallas has really dug in. And they're, I mentioned to Taylor yesterday before we got in the elevator that Dallas is playing a game right now that really travels. They played the same game last night they played in game two. And there's no reason why they can't repeat the recipe across the rest of the series. So let's talk about the rest of the series. I like that segue. Unless, Taylor, you anything else you want to add before we, we do a slight pivot? No. Nah, let's, let's talk nah. about the future. Let's talk about the future. So we, we've talked about Every game has been close, right? A, a bounce here, a bounce there. We've made jokes about Yanni Hockenpah and him being Dallas's his second leading scorer. The the flip side of all of that is Jamie Ben Zilch, right? Tyler Sagan's got a single assist. John Klingberg has a single assist and 26 penalty minutes, right? Um, Radulov got benched. Um, Gurionov, no points, right? Do at at some point somebody other than Radic Fox is going to have to carry this offense, right? Yeah. And I think that Calgary is doing a really good job of, of breaking down that, fr- that top line. But I think that they've actually been getting more dangerous looks as the series has progressed. I think they're trying, they're starting to figure out how to get around them. Um, I mean, Rupe hints yesterday or on Saturday, I thought could have had at least a, a couple of goals himself. Um, and just got absolutely stonewalled by Markstrom. And I think that's another underrated part of this series that we haven't really touched on yet is the absolute goaltending duel that this, that these two guys are putting on. But, um, but yeah, so I forgot where I was going with my thoughts, but I think that that the top line um, is going to figure out ways. And I think that 
the key to winning the rest of the series is going to come down to which top line figures it out first. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So, you, so you think it's going to be, I, I like that. I like that. And, and what you're saying, if I, if I can paraphrase is that it's not so much going to be a series decided by whose depth steps up so much as it's going to be a series decided by whose top line imposes themselves more. Yeah. I mean, Daryl Sutter essentially came out and said, uh, Johnny Gaudreau, you got to be better. Like you're paid to bury the chance like you had at the end of the game there to tie it up. And so I think that, you know, in a lot of ways, you're going to see them come out even hungrier and a, even a little bit angrier and maybe edgier to try to figure out a way to solve Ottinger. And then at this, on the other, on the other side of the ledger, I mean, Rupe Hintz has got to be sitting there going, what do I need to do to buy a goal here? Um, Jason Robertson is still kind of figuring his way out, you know, for his first playoff series of his career, which is kind of crazy to think about because he's just been such a big part of the team the last two seasons. Um, so like he's going to eventually be able to, to find his way forward. And then you've got Joe Pavelski, who is just an ageless wonder and Mr. Renaissance man at 37 scoring multiple goals in a game. Yeah. He's uh, it's, it's been amazing to watch. Um, let me ask you this, Rob. I'm going to pivot a little bit because something Taylor said has been jumping in my brain for a little while. Taylor, you talked about how Calgary is, is going to bear down, right, going to put more edge into their game. Rob, do you think it's a good strategy to up the physicality and up the edge if you're the Flames against a team like the Stars? You know, I don't really think so because Dallas had 36 hits through two periods last night. So that's a game that Dallas wants to play. And Dallas is willing to play. The more the Flames play that physical brand of hockey, I think the more it plays into the game that Dallas wants to play is that mucking up of the hockey game, making it ugly, making it boring uh, for the fans to watch. But it also makes it harder for the Flames to get through that kind of pressure. Um, whereas the Flames, we all know they want to skate. They've got Johnny Gaudreau and Lindholm and Kachuk. Those guys are fast players with a lot of skill the more you make it difficult for them in space and along the wall, the less they have less time they had to make plays and get an open eye. So, you know, I don't really love that strategy by the flames. I think they could bring the series back into their favor if they were to be able to open up the ice a little bit, which they did at times last night in the second period, they were getting chances on the, on the stars by attacking their blue line with speed repeatedly early. Uh, the third guy was high in the zone and they got really good looks there, but they went away from that game as the Stars continued to put that physical pressure on them, and it really showed in the third period where the Stars really just kind of strangled that game. Here's yeah. the thing, though. And so here's the thing, though. Calgary has come out and said, if Dallas wants to play this type of game, then this, you know, then we can play any type of game. And actually, I think that in some ways, maybe Dallas is sucking them into playing the type of game they want them to do. They're imposing their will. They're, oh my gosh, imposing their will on Calgary, and Calgary is just playing right into their hands. So far, yeah. the other thing for me as well is, is, and this is getting into some, you know, armchair psychology, but Dallas is not exactly a team that oh, with this particular group over the past several years that is known for being able to maintain a level of focus and energy over an extended stretch, right? They've, they've had a few ups and a few downs. And part of why I was asking is one, Rob, for you, right? If, if it, part of why I asked the question, you hit it on the head, is 
if you're the more skilled team, you don't necessarily want to physical up the game, right? You almost want to turn it into a track meet if you're the Flames, just in general. And then the second half of that is, if you're playing against the Dallas Stars, like maybe you want to, Taylor, I think you just, you made the point excellently about, you know, getting into a Dallas Stars hockey game. Like if you're the Calgary Flames, don't you want to turn this into a track meet and say, okay, forget about this, you know, message sending stuff. We're just going to see if you can score with us. Yeah. And I think the big indicator of that is I don't understand. Go back to John Klingberg and Matthew Kachuk. I don't understand why Kachuk is going after Klingberg. And there are so many post whistle scrums that the Flames players are getting into. I mean, Brett Ritchie is coming across the ice to get involved with Michael Roffel after, you know, a play in the corner. They're getting into their heads in the point where the Flames think they need to get physically engaged in the hockey game, but it's knocking them out of their focus of, okay, we're a really skilled team. We can skate through the stars where the stars are very happy to play that kind of, you know, bully style of hockey. Um, and the Flames are doing it to themselves off the drop of the puck. I mean, a minute and a half into the game last night, we have a fight. That's, that's plus for the stars. Yeah. I mean, if you're the stars, anything that takes, and, and I say this as a big fan of John Klingberg, but if you're the stars, anything that takes Matthew Kachuk off the ice is a positive. And I think, you know, if you're, it may be obviously not the top line, right? I wouldn't want any of them drop, but you've, you've got to think that, that they're as a group looking at that and saying, Hey, if, if, if Kachuk starts ratting it up and start shaking his wrist and looks like he wants to fight, you got to think the standing order for most of that roster is to, Hey, oblige him. Right. Let's let's do five fewer minutes of, of Matt Kachuk on the ice and, you know, take some of that chemistry away from the top. You know, it honestly, it reminds me of back when the top line for Dallas was the the Spets to Sagan Ben unit. And there were some nights where you could, you know, there were some nights when you poked the bear and you got beast mode Ben and he destroyed your universe. But there were some other nights when you could sort of get him out of his game to the point where, yeah, he was physical and yeah, the line was great, but he was you know, missing five minutes here and two for a rough there. And and it was, it, there were some nights when the best thing you could do was get physical because you would gladly take that trade off. Okay. I'll take your guy off. I'll tell, you know, I'll, I'll lose one of my guys for five. If it means I'm, I'm getting rid of one of your best guys for the same five minutes. And if further that point, I think the stars are more equipped to deal with a loss for five minutes, like John Klingberg with the flames can't afford to lose Kachuk for five minutes. Because the stars have Miro Haskinen on the bench as well, who is the best player, in my opinion, in the series so far, especially on defense. And they can legitimately trade out Klingberg for Haskinen for five minutes and be completely fine on the back end. Yeah, I, I mean, take exception to that. Oh, there we go. Then let's let's dig in. What's what's the exception? Haskinen is the best skater, but Jake Ottinger is the best mm. player in this series. All right. I can see that. I can see that argument. <laughs> Haskinen, it's it's been funny. Like Haskinen has been so good in ways that aren't necessarily score sheet obvious. I still I, I'm still like it's been three games, but I'm still salivating over a two on one he played in game one where it was two on one and he somehow managed to take both the shooter and the pass. And it didn't. The the thing that struck me, I ended up rewinding and rewatching it a couple of times. The thing that struck me is it didn't even look like it was particularly hard. It wasn't that he made, you know, one desperate lunge and then a scrambling lunge the other direction. It's like at at no point was he out of control, and he just calmly removed two players from the equation and let Ottinger make a simple save. So Wes, I, I have a stat for you. Hit me. Are you ready? 
Miro Heiskanen has played 78 minutes of ice time. How many goals do you think he's been on the ice for against? I see. I actually looked at this. I was, I was. Oh, you, you cheated. It's zero. I know. So Rob, have you seen this particular stat before I answer? Taylor stole my, uh, my next point. <laughs> <laughs> well, then I'm just going to be really smart and say he has not been on the ice for a single goal against. Yes. A sweet baby Miro. Which is kind of insane when you think about it, because he, he is being put up against, you know, the, the Lindholm and, and the Kachuk and the Gaudreau's of the world. And I, I mean, he's leading, leading all the, players in ice time. And with the special teams battle that Dallas and Calgary has determined to play, um, <laughs> with nobody able to stay out of the box for too long. Like, literally, I think uh, John Klingberg could probably, uh, like, timeshare the penalty box at this point. I mean, um, maybe he's got a magazine in there, right? So that's actually, up on I made reading. The- I made the quip last night. They must have really good snacks in there. (laughs) (laughs) So tell me, I think that's, yeah. So Miro has been astonishing. I mean, he always is, but he's, he's been astonishing. He's playing a ton. He, like I said, he leads all skaters so far in the series. I I do think you could make the case that Ottinger has been more impactful just because, but I think that's also like a, a hockey goal. Like, it's sort of like, you know, in football, the MVP is always the quarterback, right? Because the goalie just has more opportunities. Even when Miro is playing, you know, half the game, he's still playing just half the game, right? So I think that they stars obviously wouldn't be where they are without Jake Ottinger having a 960-something save percentage and being completely insane in addition to being an adorable sea creature. But I think that with Miro... They this team is so dependent upon him in transition because there is nobody, even even to some degree, right? He's he's still above Klingberg, right? There's there's nobody else on that back line that can play the way that Miro plays. And when you're as light scoring as the Dallas Stars, you need that with with powerful desperation. And so it's been um, you know, we're 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 very spoiled to know that for half a game, every game, the Dallas Stars are gonna get that kind of quality out of out of number four. And he makes it look so easy. Uh, that's the stupid part about it. Like, he barely looks like he's trying. He's just like, I'm just here, and then I'm there, and then I'm here. And, like, you don't notice me coming around you and, you know, oh, I'll just, you know, instead of going through you, I'll just oh, take this little roundabout and, and then go in for a perfect scoring chance. I mean, I, I don't – like, he actually said post game he thought he had that goal um, where Markstrom had to make that – I think oh, it was yeah. the windmill – the windmill kick save. Um, but then Pavelski like followed it up and immediately scored right after. So like it all turned out well for Dallas, but yeah, he was like, yeah, I thought I had that one. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I think we all did. Yeah. The world thought so. Oh, goodness. Uh, I, I, it also just as a very, very quick aside, we'll start with you, Robin and Taylor, the goaltender interference. Should that have been a good goal? No, in my opinion, it's not a good goal. And I know that the argument today on Twitter was, he was still in the white paint. But if you look at the way he was trying to play the puck, he was trying to get over to the other post, and Lucic completely uh, runs him over. I believe in the regular season, if it's not if the goal isn't scored, that is arguably a penalty on Lucic. Now, I don't know what the league was looking at. We don't have those angles. But at the same time, I mean, that's textbook goaltender interference because Ottinger is still trying to hold his crease and get over to his post. I just don't understand how on a review they can't see that. But to bonus his credit in the, uh, in the post game, he did say that he would challenge that play again um, if he had the chance to do it. So 
Not just I love that he gave Kelly Forbes some credit too, because I think yes. at this point, if if the Dallas Stars video team tells you to challenge something, the answer is yeah, we're yeah. sure. Yeah. What about you, Taylor? Goal, goal or no goal? So I don't know how much of the other series you guys are or any of our, the listeners are are watching, but I actually uh, caught a little bit of Boston Carolina, and there was a goal reviewed for goaltender interference there, where it looked like a very obvious um, poke check and push of the goaltender's pads um, that got him off balance and allowed the space to open up for a puck to go five hole on him. And they and they challenged that, and I was like, oh, that's clear goaltender interference. And they and they let that one stand up because I guess some other angle showed that it was actually like his teammate had uh, his stick in there and also pushed the goaltender and therefore you couldn't say that it was fully on the other guy. And I was just sitting there going, I don't think anybody knows what it is anymore. And so therefore I guess I should just not be surprised if it goes for or against, I can say that in the press box, almost unanimously, all the media sitting around me were like, Oh, that's goaltender interference. And then they came back and we were like, well, what do we know? I, I will say, and I'm going to be the dissenting opinion. I, I don't, I wouldn't go so far as to say that that I thought it was. It, let me put it this way: I would have been borderline. I would have been fine with either decision. And the reason that I think that they waived it, and the reason that I think it makes sense, is the contact itself was up on Ottinger's like arm blocker. It, it he was leaning forward out of the crease towards the contact. Like it it looked. But, you know, with the benefit of like nine different slow-mo replays on the broadcast, it really looked like he got himself into a situation where there was marginal contact and he tried to make that contact less marginal. That was my read on it and kind of the the way that I saw like you could I, – I don't think Lucic was pushed in, so I don't think it was a situation where the D kind of rode him into the crease. I think it was right on the edge of the paint. I think either player could make the argument that they had right away in that situation. And I think what ultimately undid Ottinger's, I think he he pushed himself into the contact a little bit more than he was trying to defend his area. And I think that's ultimately what um, uh, what led to the goal being called on ice and then getting into the whole standards of, of overturning. I think once you wind up in that situation, you weren't there wasn't go- there wasn't enough in the replay to say that this call was categorically wrong and needs to be reversed. That's a very long-winded way of saying I think that whatever was called initially was going to be upheld based on the way that play developed. Probably. And in real angry. time, I mean, in real time, I, I could see I could see it and I could see why they let it stand. So, <laughs> you know, whatever. I, it's the whatever. human element when you have refs and, you know, they always talk about how, you know, that's just how hockey go. And, um, you know, how you hope that over time, these things just kind of balance each other out. I'm sure that Calgary will have one later in the series where it'll get upheld and they're going to think that they got jobs. So. Well, that's the prerogative of hockey fans, right? Any any call that goes against the team is complete crap. That's just the well, way this works. Everybody's an angel and, on your team. And full marks to the stars for actually responding to that, not collapsing at a tough moment in the game. I mean, yeah. that could have swung the entire hockey game. Arguably, that was a late period goal and a questionable call that could have deflated the team, and the building was obviously not happy. And on top of all that, right, a late period goal, questionable call in a series where goals have been at a premium. 
And the Stars, from the drop of that next puck, they were back on their game on the very next shift, which is, you know, a great testament to the coaching in this instance and to the players' just general resolve to shake that off and go, we've been in these situations before in the playoffs. We know that goals are at a premium. We can get the next one. Let's just go back to work. I like that. So we're, we'll 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 talk. We'll we'll wind up here and and you know Taylor and Rob, please take your you know Rick bonus flowing silver manes of hair and turn on the fans on your desk so it's flapping in the wind and tell me if you're in his position, right? What are you? What are you changing? What is your strategy heading into game four? I'll let Rob go first. You know, I'm not really changing much. I, th- I like the lineup from last night. I like the subtraction of Radulov from the lineup. Um, yeah, is that, I, is that a big deal? Big deal, little deal? I guess I'm kind of numb to it because of the season he's had and then last year's injury, but kind of a low-key end of an era moment maybe? Yeah, but I like the I like how Studenik gave them some speed and some physicality along the wall in the game that was kind of missing from, their, from the previous two games. I mean, I, I like the way that he kind of balance that lineup last night. I I mentioned to Taylor, I like the way that Gariano's playing right now. He's playing mm-hmm. straight lines. He's not playing that east to west, you know, mistake-filled hockey. It's just a simple, you know, north-south game. I like that. So he's got him going in a good way. I think he'll break out eventually with, you know, a goal or some points here in the near future. I like this game last night really reminded me of how they played against Tampa Bay. Extremely structured. They were hard. It was a complete 60 minutes. If I'm Rick Bonus in, in the room tomorrow before game four, I'm saying we need that performance two more times. And we're waiting who we see, who we play out of that Edmonton LA series uh, here in a, in a week or so. Hmm. Uh, Taylor, how about you? Anything? What, what, what's on your mind if you're Rick Bonus heading into game four? I, I like Studenich's game to a point, but I think for myself, I would maybe consider putting Jacob Peterson in instead and seeing if maybe that gives you even a little ounce more um, in that bottom six. Only because Jacob Peterson is just so economical with his goal scoring. Like, he's one of the top, like, rates. He's the, he's the Kia Sophia of goal scoring. <laughs> So, I mean, just like, and I know he's a rookie and, you know, the game and, and it's the most pot he's ever played, whatever excuses the, the staff has been using not to play him. Um, but you're on home ice. You have last change. Um, Sunich did take a couple of penalty or a penalty, I think, at a pretty poorly timed manner um, in the game. So, like, I don't know. I, 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 will, I would maybe try him out and see how it works. And, like, I think. He also was part of the power play units previously and has some experience there. So like, and some familiarity and that's been really bad. And even, even though they scored, <laughs> it was still really, really bad yeah. um, in the last game. It's been, and bad, it has been bad, bad all season. Or, yeah. Like, so maybe it's putting Peterson, like he's energetic, he's got speed and he's, always counting the puck too so i i don't think that you could hurt yourself um by playing him in the lineup instead of student each but maybe that's you know galaxy braining yourself i don't know no i i mean i do i i'm more inclined to agree with you this is a team this is a team that can't score with any sort of reliability and, and this is a series increasing you know it's 
throw out throw out the empty netter, right? This has been a one goal series so far. And I think if you're the Dallas Stars, you need to find you know, we it's the same conversation we had, Taylor, last podcast about Thomas Harley. So last last game, Studenique played five minutes and thirty-one seconds. Um, he was a minus two in that time, plus minus is a wishy-washy stat, but he played five minutes and, and um, 31 seconds. It's it's the it's the the Hanley Harley argument that like yes, he gives you speed, but he's not a scorer. He's never been a scorer. He's not, you know, he's not a, a significant offensive weapon. Whereas Jacob Peterson has been effective and efficient at five on five as well. And so even if even if you make the case that that Peterson, well, he's a rookie and he's never played in the playoffs and X, Y, Z, even if he's going to be overawed by the moment, how can he, how much damage, you, you, you have proven that you can play, you know, uh, Kiviranta played 638, Grianov played 952, right? This this team is already, like, Jacob but Peterson, yeah. is, he's not going to, he's not going to torpedo the series in five and a half minutes, right? And what he might do is score a goal. And the way that this series is going, that the chances that he could do more in five and a half minutes than Studenique, right? You you need that, you know, you're not you're not a deep mini, you know, tooled offense, right? You need to find success on the margins. And there is more of a chance that Peterson will have a good game and do something that helps you win than there is a chance that that you can say the same about Studenique, in my opinion. Yeah. Exactly. So it's, it's so, a, what are we doing? It's what are we doing here? What are we, you know, do you just need a guy or do you want something that might actually help you? And is it necessarily a liability? I don't think that Jacob Peterson's two way game is that bad, but like you said, I mean, students had five minutes of ice time and, and ate a couple minuses. And so like, I mean, yeah, no. And I, I wasn't even yeah. saying that, that Peter, I was worried that Peterson would play badly. I, I was just more taking like, I think he'd play well and probably earn more time based on his the balance of the season. I'm just saying that even if, you know, if 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 all of the reasons for not playing him manifest, wow, he's not ready, he's too young, he's not physical, you know, if 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 the worst case comes to pass, what are the odds that he does more to hurt you than 531 minus 2? You know, like worst case scenario, you get what you got out of student each last game. Best case scenario, you might get more. Whereas with Stu Nietzsche, you're probably the, the odds that you're going to get more like that's kind of what he is like this is, you know, that's that's who he is. He's like, he's, right. So why not? Why not give yourself the possibility that something good could happen? And do it while you still have last change at home. I mean, exactly. You know, yeah, you can protect it because you're you got to go out. You got to go out to Calgary and whether you're headed back to Calgary um knowing you've got to win two of the next three and Calgary has two of the next three at home, or you're going up there with a three, one series lead. Uh, it, you need to figure out if there, there's something there that you could take. And as uh, Rob pointed out earlier, they're playing a game right now that is portable that you can take yeah. on the road. So if you find something that works and you get a little spark, maybe that spark can do something on the road for you. Is all I'm saying. It'd be nice. They need it. So then we'll we'll end here. Um, predictions not nece- doesn't necessarily have to be the scoreline, but but we'll start with you, Rob. Give me give me one prediction for tomorrow night. I think uh, Jamie Ben's going to score a goal tomorrow night. Who's going to score? Sorry, Jamie Ben. Jamie Ben. Oh, he's lurking in the weeds. All right, Taylor. How about you? 
I think that Miro Haskinen gets a goal personally. Interesting. All right. My my prediction is going to be a little bit a little bit out there. I think that the team that wins this game wins the series. I think this is where it all pivots. If if Dallas can get up three to one, that I mean, it's very obvious that they're a the the benefits of being up three to one in a series. But given what we've talked about on the margins and can Calgary get going, blah blah blah. I think that this game is going to tell us who wins the series. Yeah, and I I think tomorrow night tells us a lot about who Calgary is more than. It tells us about who Dallas is. I mean, I think we all know who Dallas is at this point, but does Calgary win or lose tomorrow night, go back up to their home rink, feeling that that pressure of, okay, we have to win this game five, or we can't go back to Dallas and replicate what we did in game four. I think this is a bigger game for Calgary than it is for Dallas, not just with the three, one lead on the, you know, on the, on the books there, but, just in general for their general psyche. Hmm. See, I think that cuts both ways, all right? Because if you're the stars, if if it's big for them because you can't allow Calgary's psyche to to rebound at all, right? Yeah, fair exactly. Point. So yeah, that's my that's my prediction. Check back in in a week. Um, winner tomorrow night is going to be advancing into the second round. I just I got a feeling. I just I just feel like it's one of those either either Calgary figures out how to make their talent advantage matter in a meaningful way, or they can't, they can't get out of doubt that they can't get Dallas out of their kitchen. Right. And I just think that's, that's where we are in the series. Dallas has enforced, you know, has forced their, their will and their style onto this game, right? We're seeing Dallas stars hockey and Calgary's not going to win that series. And so if they can't figure out how to make their talent count more, then that's that. And they're either gonna, I think tomorrow's the night they're going to need to figure it out. So I'll piggyback on you real quick. If, this, if they win tomorrow night, Calgary, I think it goes seven. Back to the earlier point of the top lines are going to decide the series. If, this, if Calgary wins tomorrow night and ties it up, I think Dallas gets one game out of the top line where they win the game for them. Calgary gets the same game out of their group and then we're talking about a game seven in calgary and won't that be won't that be fun so all, all that's left to do is is wait and then watch i know i know where i'll be tomorrow night um any closing thoughts taylor or rob yeah i just want to say um dallas stars fans you guys you rock i mean that building on saturday night was unreal and i don't think that there is a a person that left there not energized and pumped about, you know, the stars and, and, and the win and everything else. And I think, you know, even the guys in the post game talked about how much energy that gives them and, and how much more confidence it gives them playing on home ice to play in front of fans that are that engaged with the game. So all I got to say is just like, keep it up, just, you know, make this like exactly what it should be in the playoffs. It it's home ice and it should be, should be hard for Calgary to play here. It should matter, right? And and it does. And I, I love I love that you called that out. I'm I'm having goosebumps thinking back to the Winter Classic. Like that, you're absolutely right. It's it's a great building. It's a great crowd. Um, and it's nice that this team is finally giving them something to engage with. So uh, thank you for that. Thank you for your insights. Those out in listener land, th- thanks for listening. Remember to like and to download. 
hit us up on the socials kt as always mixing uh, mixing and matching all this together accounting for taylor's tremendous level of profanity editing that out just must take hours so uh thanks all and uh we'll we'll see what happens tomorrow night